Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are just at the border of Chapter 3 and Chapter 4. I was kind of not sure if I would proceed to Chapter 4 today, but I realized I have one more thing I want to say about the Curry-Hard isomorphism, uh, at least for the moment, and that's what this is the topic of Chapter 3. Chapter 4, I'm planning to be about um, using dependent types for programming and sort of verified programming. But anyway, for Chapter 3, we're talking about the Curry-Hard isomorphism, about the fact that constructive proofs, and even non-constructive proofs, which is really crazy, can be identified with certain kinds of pure functional programs. And that means that the formulas they prove are identified with types. And the thing I wanted to say, which I hadn't said so far, I don't think, um, which is an important connection back to Chapter 2 about functional programming, is that there's a very... There's a subtle, subtle thing here with the Curry-Howard isomorphism, at least as you know, straightforwardly set up. You, it's very important that you're dealing with terminating programs. That is a big, big restriction that we didn't mention so far, and we didn't talk about so far. And you could see this in many ways. So, but but again, the the key thing is if you're going to interpret a program, a pure functional program, as a proof, that program has to terminate. You can't have programs that run forever. And the reason for this is, is pretty simple. I mean, just imagine you're writing code in your favorite mainstream everyday programming language. For me, I mean, I don't like Java or anything, but say I was writing in Java. I have written my share of Java code. I'm, you know, Or let's say I'm writing in Haskell. That's more... Now, I think I better say Java because, anyhow, whatever language it is, it doesn't matter. You can write, if you say, oh, I want to write a, a function that takes in, you know, two inputs, a list, and some other stuff, and then runs forever, right? It doesn't, or at least in some cases, let's say it runs forever, then that means that in mainstream programming languages, the return type of your function can be anything you want, right? You can say, like, imagine there's an empty type that doesn't have any values. There are no values of this type. While still diverging computations can be given the empty type, right? Just, you know, what's the type of an infinitely looping pure function? You can say, oh, I'm gonna, let's say I'm gonna write a function f, it takes an x, input x, and it just calls itself recursively on x. So f of x equals f of x. Well, you know, the, the value, the type of the outer call to f here that you're defining um, can be anything because recursively you'll get something back of whatever that type is that you want. You know, so in other words, you can write a function this way of type, you know, int goes to empty uh, or just create and then call that function with three and now you've got something of type empty. And type empty, as you recall, under the Curry-Hard isomorphism corresponds to false, the logical formula false. And so if you have the ability to write down expressions of type false, it means your logic is not consistent anymore because you're writing down, um, you know, proofs of false. And from assuming your logic lets you derive whatever you want from a proof of false, then you can prove any formula. And the one thing logics need to do to be useful is to distinguish some formulas as true and other formulas as not. Uh, so, so if you can't make any distinctions if all the formulas 
there are are provable, then your logic is useless because it's not telling you anything. You say, oh, I got this amazing proof of this fact. Who cares? There's an amazing proof of every fact because your logic is inconsistent. So to have a consistent logic, it's critical that all the programs you write are terminating. And this shows up in different ways. So for, let's say for induction, right? So we talked about how induction corresponds to terminating recursion. And I'm, I'm sure I must have said that at that point, that it is terminating recursion. And I just want to emphasize that now it's kind of, you cannot write, if you have an unsound induction, I mean, if, I should say, if you have a non-terminating program, that's going to correspond to an unsound induction, where you use your induction hypothesis in illegal ways, right? You know, the induction hypothesis is supposed to be, you're supposed to be trying to prove some property of x plus 1, and you use your induction hypothesis for x. Well, if you try to use your induction hypothesis for x plus 1 again, let's say, that's completely unsound, and you won't get a, a valid proof that way. You won't get a correct proof. Um, and so the, the connection I want to make where this sort of ties back in to the idea of period functional programming is that now we have an interesting connection between, uh, you know, proofs, the type theory um, under the Curry-Howard isomorphism to strong functional programming. We talked about strong functional programming a little bit. Strong functional programming is a term that is used by some, I also am using this term, to indicate um, a, a discipline of pure functional programming where every program is required the, at compile time, there's a requirement that it, it terminates on all inputs. And that's exactly the kind of requirement we need to be logically sound under the Curry-Howard isomorphism. We've got to make sure all our programs terminate. And so for induction, this requirement of termination is enforced usually, now I want to have more to say about this in some later sec segment here, but it's usually enforced by just requiring structural decrease. You've, you've got to you're writing a pattern matching function and you're only allowed to make recursive calls on subdata that you fished out using a pattern. You know, you said I'm going to match on cons x x's and I can make a recursive call on x's. That's fine because at least, well, at least if you have inductive data types, which is different from Haskell because they are the data types represent could be infinite or finite data. But uh, you're going to fish out a, a sub piece of a subsidiary piece of data out of a bigger piece of data, and that process of digging down and digging down and digging down has to terminate for inductive data. And so, if you if your functions are structurally recursive, that means you know in a case where you're saying, "Oh, I'm starting out with a cons cell, and I only make recursive calls on the tail," that's a that's a smaller list than the starting list, and so that's legal, and that will give you uh, a terminating recursion. So for Generally, for termination, it's structural decrease for induction and, and recursing over data types. And then it's type-based termination. It's, it's termination that's enforced by the type system for other types. Because in simply type lambda calculus, where we have function spaces and Cartesian products and disjoint sum types and all this kind of stuff that correspond to implications and conjunctions and disjunctions on the logical side under Curry-Howard, the... Um, you can't write programs that loop forever if you're just using the basic operations for um, proving or making use of a proof 
of these operations. So in, in natural deduction, you know, I can prove a conjunction by giving proofs of the two conjuncts. So I can prove A and B by giving you two proofs, a proof of A and a proof of B. And similarly, if somehow I have a proof of A and B, maybe, maybe I'm writing a, a, a proof that says, suppose A and B is true. Okay, so now I have a proof, a, hypoth a hypothesized proof of A and B, then I can decompose it into two pieces. So I can say, I want the proof of A, or I want the proof of B out of this proof of A and B. So we can introduce or we can eliminate that. This is the term coming from natural deduction. You introduce the, the connectivity means you've you've given a proof that for that um, for a formula built with that connective. So to introduce a conjunction means you proved a conjunction, and to eliminate it means you had a proof, maybe a hypothesized proof, and you've decomposed that proof in the way that's allowed by the rules of the logic. So anyway. If you just use the basic introduction and elimination forms for the logical operators, you you stay terminating. You don't have to worry about accidentally becoming non-terminating. Um, so it's interesting, though, because it is kind of two different mechanisms for enforcing termination. One is, again, this is the traditional way. This is not the way I necessarily personally advocate or that we're developing in CDL. Um, in one case, you're using a structural information, structural decrease and in the other case, you're using some type information. And it would be nice if you could, didn't have to have two mechanisms for enforcing termination. And that's, that's, that's my goal, one of my goals with Sedil, and we have achieved that. Um, and others have certainly considered this as well. But uh, yes, so anyhow, that's the main point I wanted to make today was under Curry-Howard, it's a critical, and at least under sort of standard developments of Curry-Howard, it's critical that your functions are terminating and that can be enforced at compile time, and that's uh, that. But that that has under Cray Howard that has the one downside that now you are not working in a Turing complete programming language because all the programs have to terminate because you've identified programs and proofs. The proofs have to terminate. Programs equal proofs. Therefore, the programs have to terminate too. And that's really not such a big bummer as you think. Like in some in a language like Agda. Yeah, which is based on the Curry-Howard isomorphism and requires termination. You could just say, "Oh, never mind. Please don't worry about it. Don't be. Don't enforce termination for this function." So you can kind of just disable the termination checker if it's getting in your way. Um, certainly, there will be some cost to that, but uh, but it's it's not so restrictive as as one might think, pragmatically speaking. Anyhow, uh, that's all I wanted to talk about today. So thank you for listening. And next time, I'm anticipating wanting to move on to Chapter Four about dependent types.